Well, this morning we are speaking of Psalm 91. And as um, I, I was speaking before the, we started the service, I was writing this out and, you know, getting it together, and I'm saying, I've preached on this. Yeah, yeah, I've preached on it. I've been, you know, I've done this before. You know, you know, after 50 years of ministry, I'm sure I spoke on this verse sometime or other. But uh, then I kept writing and going on, and finally when I was about 80, 90% done, I, I spoke on this not too long ago. <laughs> so I'll go rummaging through my sermons, and sure enough, last July, somewhere in there, I spoke on this. But guess what? It's different. So if you remember word for word what I said last time, this one will be different. Maybe. You let me know. All right. So we're in Psalm 91. Psalm 91. The, the um, title of the message is, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. You know, we question ourselves, question motives. We question other people's motives whenever, whatever. What do people say of the Lord? <laughs> well, um, my mind goes sometimes to the people who are cursing, and they will say of God, you know, and they will use his name in vain. All those types of things, all, they, all they're doing is, it's like they're attracting, I would say negativity, but they're, they're attracting evil into their life because that is not what God would say. Whenever we're talking about, you know, there's, there's a lot to the uh, understanding that Whenever we talk about something, we prophesy about what we're expecting. You know, we're prophesying and we're foretelling our future by what we say. Nothing good ever happens to me. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever work out. Okay. You see, we have enough faith to believe, and so the challenge is for us to believe in the correct way. And no matter what happens in the sequence of events, it's still, I believe that God is, you know, it's like giving thanks to God in all things. Well, what that is saying is, I'm not thankful for the things that have happened, but I'm thankful that God is with me, and he will see me through these things. So we, we follow that same pattern here in Psalm 91. And I'm just going to read each verse as we go through it, rather than um, reading all of the would you like me to read all of it together? I think, yeah, we'll read all of it together. You see, so we have an idea of where we're going. This psalm is divided into three stages. It's uh, verses 1, 2, I believe, and then it's verses 3 through 8. Uh, no, it's 1 through 8, 9 through 13, and 14 through 16. So there's three, like, sections that we deal with. Psalm 91, verse 1. Whosoever dwelleth in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So this is where the title of the sermon comes from. And the psalmist is the one speaking here. You know, he's declaring what God is inspiring him. Surely He will save you from the foul snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Verse 9. This is moving then into another section this is more of a spiritual part of it. The, you, if you say, the Lord is my refuge, 
and you make his, the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. And the last part here is God speaking. Because he loves me, and God is saying this about the psalmist and about us, because you love me, I will rescue you. I will protect you, for I acknowledge, he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So understanding who is speaking or what is being said brings a, a lot of emphasis to this particular psalm. And we have here in this beginning uh, of verse 1, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest under the shadow of the Almighty. So we have two distinct aspects of one life. Two distinct aspects of, your, of our life. And that is, he, I am he, sitting and hiding in the place of the Most High. I am in the shadow of the Almighty, the one where we lodge, where we live. I will say to Jehovah, my refuge, my hiding place. I will say of Jehovah, he is my fortress, he is my lodging. My God, I trust in him. So whenever we start putting, you know, little, little asterisks here on these, on these words, we're talking about how that we are, we are sitting or living in the hiding place. You know, that's my place, that's where I live. Um, then we find that we are in the shadow of the Almighty, that's my lodge. So I'm lodging there. So I'm hiding, I am lodging. Now the hiding is not the idea that I'm cowering from my enemies, I am hiding, I am, um, I am safe. It's like the painting years ago. They wanted uh, a contest for what would be the most peaceful setting, you know, the most peaceful setting you could have. And people drew these pictures of sunsets and, you know, the moon shining on the waters and all these different things. And then this other painting was one of a thunderstorm and just lightning and thunder and cracking. And then in the middle of the, the painting was this, hollow in the rock and in that rock was a bird sitting on the nest <laughs> he was sheltered from the storm he was at peace with life and what's going on he was just resting in the nest and so you know it's getting common sense getting out of the storm so being close to God is a common sense for us living a life in a constant communion with God Oh, we say, well, you know, that's kind of hard to do. Well, we, where can we be that God is not? He's everywhere present. We just aren't conscious of it. We're just not making ourselves aware of the presence of God. So whenever we think about God and we offer our prayers, he's already there. So I am in a constant communion with him. Who do you talk to when you talk to yourself? I'm not going to talk about my wife. But anyhow, <laughs> she's always, who are you talking to? <laughs> I don't know who you talk to. Who, who do you talk to, you know? And I can't find anybody more interesting to talk to, so I talk to myself. <laughs> well, we're in constant communion with God. Why? Because he knows our thoughts and intents of our heart, so why don't we just keep them pure? 
Why don't we just keep them focused on what is good and where we're going rather than battling all the negativity and all this stuff that's going on? So, and he says that living a life of constant communion with God, my hiding place, uh, shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty, my lodging. This is my lodge. You know, last year we had the privilege of David and Jenny have, she does paintings and things, and there is this uh, couple, they're both doctors, and they have this house at, um, where is it? Crested Butte, Colorado. It's at 10,000 feet elevation, and the mountain is at 12,000, okay? But anyhow, they have this house. It's a small lodge. (laughs) I mean, it's right on a golf course, I, I looked up the, the houses around them. They're for five to seven million. So we got to stay there for a week for free. Thank you, David. And, uh, but we find that that's, whenever we're looking at our lodging place with God, God doesn't have us in a little shack on the outskirts of heaven. <laughs> he doesn't have a little shack. Whenever we enter into the very presence of God, into the throne room of God, in, in heaven itself we walk on streets of gold. You know, we, they're, they're, the under, what we understand as riches are nothing compared to what God's glory is. And so we have this shadow, this hiding place that we have in God. I shall not be disappointed in my hope. I'm sheltered. I'm living. I'm lodging. A shadow in the scripture often signifies protection. Shadow of the Almighty. It signifies Protection and the extravagance of the figures which the psalmist employs is sitting, hiding, shadowing, lodging, refuge, fortress, trust. (laughs) All of those words are associated with what the psalmist is saying in those first couple verses. Verse uh, 1 goes on to say, The secret of true life is to know what the secret of our, our life is all about. What is the secret of your life? Well, The secret of your life is revealed by God. And God knows the secret of our life for what we were created for. And the secret in the scriptures is something which is hidden, but God desires to be revealed. So when God speaks about how that we have this secret place of the Most High, it's not some place that he's not going to, you have to go hunt for. No, whenever we are in God's presence, we find out who we really are. So... Uh, By knowing God, I do not mean an intellectual belief, you know, that people, well, I believe uh, in God, yes, uh, but they use the Bible kind of as a reference book to, you know, it doesn't really mean all the things that are in there. They're just poetry. Those are just stories, uh, campfire stories, you know, people told, blew them out of proportion, things like that. There are people who believe that. They They actually will preach that. We had, um, uh, used to go, years ago, we did not have Christmas Eve or Christmas Day services. And um, we would go to another church that uh, was associated with Rhonda's mom and them when they were growing up. And, And the pastor at that time was very different. He could do an entire Christmas Eve service and never mention the name of Jesus. He could do an entire service and never reference the biblical story. I remember one year he talked about juggling. 
okay, I was there. Okay, where's the punchline at? And it was like, and he talked about juggling. And, he, and then another year he spoke upon what was the headlines of the newspaper. Not prophetically, just the things that have happened. You see, whenever we're looking at what God is and who God is, it isn't something that's just in our head, but it's that which is in our heart. So our life enters into the inner chamber, the inner, the inner place of God's presence. 1 John 3.19 says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. See, God is always with us, so just being conscious of God's presence and thanking God for being there, whether I feel it or not, he is there. And, you know, in Napoleon's time and his army, there was this soldier who was, you know, caught fleeing battle. He was deserting, and they caught him and brought him before Napoleon. And Napoleon's there, you know, he's sitting on his throne or whatever, and uh, the guy is brought to him and put, put, put before him. And, and Napoleon, the emperor, says, what's your name? And the guy sheepishly says, Napoleon. <laughs> Your name is Napoleon. He says, yes. He stepped off the throne, grabbed the guy and says, either change your ways or change your name. <laughs> we are God's children. Change your ways or change your name. So God wants to give us the strength to be his child and be uh, what he has called us to be. Um, as we move on, the first, as we said, the first section here. I will, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse 3. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Verse 2. I will say. Going back to the idea, what do you say about God? What do you say about you? What do you say about what's going on in your life? Are we prophesying? Are we foretelling our future? Are we foretelling our future by our thoughts and our negativity and our, uh, our hatred and our bitterness and things like that? Are we allowing those things to capture our thoughts? Are we allowing the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to capture our thoughts? Bring every thought into subjection, the Scripture says. That, that will be in conformity to the will of God and the purpose of God. If there is anything that is lovely, that is pure, that's of a good report, think on these things. That's how they start off the news every night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a joke. You know, we got something good, it's at the end, but you got to wait for that. Let's just rip everything apart till we get there. Well, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he's my sanctuary, he's my shelter. Upon that ground, I will confidently commit myself and all my affairs to God. I will confidently give myself and all of my affairs, whatever I'm doing, school, work, travel, talking, conversation. I will give all of my affairs to God. Verse 2, surely he shall deliver thee. You who believe, you who through the example of the psalmist will make God your refuge, you will join in the same privileges the psalmist enjoyed. We will escape from the snare of the fowler, that which is laid, that which is unseen, that which is a trap that is set. We will escape those things. 
You will escape from the repulsive pandemic. <laughs> that was in the uh, commentary. It was not written after, nine, after COVID. <laughs> you, will, you will escape the pandemic. <laughs> Verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. So when we start building on this, the psalmist is building. He's talking about all the good things about God, and he's talking about the things that are before us. But going back to verse 2, I will say of the Lord. We've got to understand that these things are said in our hearts. These things are what we declare to be God's will and God's way of working in us. In many of the Psalms, the same metaphor is used. Hide me beneath the shadow of thy wings. Beneath thy wings will I take refuge until calamities are past. I will rise up on wings of eagles. So the, we see this metaphor used over and over in the scripture and how that the, the wings of the, of, uh, the animal the, that covers the, the young chicks is saying God will be that to us. And I think back of that um, example, I know I've said it before, but out west, there, excuse me, <clears throat> out west there was this great forest fire. And as they were going, the, the guys were forest rangers and firefighters were going through afterwards and mopping up and trying to put out the little fires. They saw this kind of like shape of an animal there in a, in a, what is that, pyramid type shit. And the guy went over and kicked it. And out from underneath it came all these little chicks. <laughs> the, the, the grouse had covered the little ones under its wings. And so we find that God is like that to cover us, except God doesn't get singed. <laughs> when God is the protector, he doesn't get singed. He's not carried away. A man is not saved because he believes. He is saved because his trust is in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Verse 5, you will not fear for the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it, it shall not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Now, you read that and say, wow, when, <laughs> when can that ever happen? When can 10,000 fall and you, you're not, you only see with your eyes the punishment of the wicked? When can that happen? Well, the psalmist is remembering it already happened. <laughs> it already took place in Egypt. It took place in Egypt whenever the plagues came upon the Egyptians. It didn't come upon the Israelites. It came upon the Egyptians. And the plagues, they, they, the Israelites could see what the, was going on with the Egyptians but the plague did not come nigh them. And how many of all the firstborn of the cattle and children died? 10,000 will fall at your side, but you will not come near your dwelling. Why? Because the blood of the lamb was over the doorpost of their homes. And you see, when, when the blood of Jesus Christ is over our life, we see these things going on around us, but that is not our reward. That is not our place. I will say of the Lord... <laughs> Verse 9, this is the second section. Um, this is the spiritual foes. We just went through the natural foes, now the spiritual foes. If you say these are the words of a devout believer, 
Notice the, the, the cry of the soul recognizing God as the refuge and home comes in response to a revelation of God's blessing. All of this comes about not because we make it up, but because there is a revelation. It is God placing his word in our hearts and minds. We're hearing his word, and God makes it real to our heart. His spirit will bear witness with our spirit that this is right. This is your strength. This is your help. Your, God is your very present help in time of trouble. So he is the one that we are receiving this revelation from. We don't, <laughs> don't have to be brainwashed. We just need to listen to the word and allow God to reveal his truth. If I trust my own concepts of God and the divine, <laughs> I will fall flat on my face. People have many thoughts about God. Why God this? Why God? No. no. What does God say in his word? What does God mean by his word? I may not understand everything, but I know what he tells me. I know that he has saved me. I know that my sins are forgiven. I know that when it's all over and Christ returns, I'm going to heaven. Now let's deal with life. And so we look at life knowing that I will save the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my very present help in time of trouble. So in the places where these words are, these times come, we will save God. Verse 10. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. <laughs> the faithful man is to be preserved from every evil, every kind of evil. Now, Jesus was preserved, kept. It's not canned preserves. <laughs> he is kept. And so when Jesus is in the garden and he's tempted by Satan and he's praying, God, Father, not my will but thine be done, he's tempted. His human nature is saying, I can get out of this, can't I, Father? <laughs> and Father says, no. So we find that in those difficult times, God is still there. And we go through the struggle and the temptation. All he needed to do was just go up over the hill, <laughs> just go around the corner. They had never found him. But when the time had come, he got up and he went and met them. He overcame. Verse 11. For he will command his angels to concerning you to guard you in all your ways. <laughs> the Amplified Bible says, Are not all the angels ministering spirits sent ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, to accompany, to protect those who will inherit salvation? You see, <laughs> the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. The angel of the Lord will rise up, verse 12, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. The promise here is that we'll rise, we'll continue to rise ever higher and higher. And they find rather than upon their hands, lifting you over difficulties, it's upon their hands they, that we are in their hands, they will lift us up. So even in the difficult times, We've got the word of God. We've got the Holy Spirit. God has promised that his angels are there to help us, to lift us up, to encourage us, to give that word of encouragement. Verse 13. This is when I knew that I had preached this sermon before. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. 
Now, whatever I was reading didn't have this thought, but I remember it from the last one. When you're walking down the path of life and the lion and the cobra are on the path, do you know what you're going to do? You're going to kick them off. <laughs> that's, what it said. that's what it literally means. You will kick off. You will knock them off the path because they will mean no danger to you. I remember the story of the missionaries walking down the path and out ahead of him he sees this, the snake. And it's one of the most poisonous snakes in those regions. And he's, you know, he's frightened about the snake because it's all curled up there on the path and it's kind of hiding behind the rock. And so it, it, he can't see its head, but it's back there. And so he's, you know, he can't go out in the bush. He has to go down the path. And so he keeps getting closer and closer and he's wanting to get, you know, poke it or whatever. And he gets up to it and finally he sees somebody had already smashed the head of the snake under the rock. <laughs> what he had feared was already taken care of. Jesus is the one who crushes the head of Satan. And what we fear is already taken care of. These next verses, verses 14 to 16, they lead us from security to victory. The relationship between the victorious man and God grows closer, grows clear, grows to be very important. It is a relationship of mutual knowledge and of mutual love. That we are in this together. God loves us more than we could ever know and he always wants us to love him. In return, we are, he has forgiven us, so what are we to do? Forgive others. In the relationship that we have with God, we are reflecting what God is to us. We're reflecting his word. And the language here grows more open-ended, that it's between God and I that we're in this relationship together. Um, it is suggesting that the godly man becomes transformed. Transformed. God has transformed us from the inside out. Verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Another version has it. I will protect him because he knows my name. You know, throughout the scriptures, when God intervenes for the children of Israel or with one of the prophets and so on, God names the situation. Like, you know, I always, when I was younger, I used to think, what a, when Moses was on the mountain and God says to Moses, tell them I am that I am, and said to you. And I would think, what a dumb thing. I am that I am. What does that mean? But you see, that was the beginning of the revelation. I am the bread of life. See, Jesus came to fulfill that revelation. I am that I am is that I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I, you know, so the I am's of Jesus began there at Moses on the mount and what God has continued to do. And what God gives himself names. <laughs> Abba, Father, um, Alpha and Omega. I am the Alpha and Omega, Omega, the beginning and the end. I am Christos, the anointed one. So you see, whenever we find ourselves, I know the name of God. That what we are doing is seeing the name of God and applying that name to our life. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who provides. So when we are in need, <laughs> when the... Um, Fuel bills come this year, and they're through the roof. 
I am Jehovah Jireh. God is the one who will be my provider. So we know his name. Um, El Roi, the God who sees. God knows exactly where I am at. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Elohim, God the creator. Jehovah, the self-existent one. I am hidden. <laughs> I am sheltered in God Jehovah, the self-existent one. He needs no one to help him, assist him. He is the one who cares and creates. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. I will say of the Lord, he is my healer. So we find ourselves in this psalm declaring the very truths that the psalmist is telling us about. I know the name of God. And it's not just God, it I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord thy God that restores. I am, see how we work at this, and we find that these are the thoughts of the scriptures coming to us. Verse 16. Remember, God is speaking. He will call on me. God is saying that we will call on him. And God says, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. God is saying that to us. I will deliver him and honor him. There is a relationship going on here. He will call upon me and I will answer. We regard the first of these two clauses as part of the promise. It is not merely a guess if he calls on me. It's not merely a virtual commandment if, he if he, you can expect an answer. He says, I will deliver I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. I will raise his integrity. I will build him up. God is saying that to us. He's the one in this psalm, the last part that is speaking to us. And then he says, verse 16, with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. What we have here is, in the Old Testament, a blessing from God is a long life. And in that long life, there is provision. There is help. There is restoration. God is with me. So where does it all start? It starts back at verse 1 and verse 2. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So we are the same person. We are the one who dwells. We are in the shadow. We are dwelling. We are lodging. We are part of God. And in this place with God, I will say of the Lord, right where I am at, right where his presence is, where I am at, I will say of God, he is my healer. He is my provider. He is the one, he is my strength. He is my victor. He is the one who will see me through. He is the one who will give me wisdom and understanding. He is the one who will guide my path. God is with me in all this. And this isn't an intellectual thing, it is a spiritual thing. So I will say of the Lord, and what will I say of the Lord in this psalm? He is my refuge. I will say of the Lord, he is my fortress. I will say of the Lord, he is my God. I will trust him. He will save you from the traps, the snares. He will cover you with his feathers. You will not be afraid. You will observe the punishment of the wicked and it will not come nigh you. You will say the Lord is my refuge. 
you will say, God is my dwelling place. No harm. No disaster. You will say, his angels have charge over me. (laughs) His angels have charge over me. I remember my mother, you know, she always was thinking and whatever, and I remember her walking up in town in Indiana. She says she was just stepping, she was not thinking what she was doing, and she was ready to step off the curb, and something touched her on the chest and held her back from, from stepping forward, and a car came right by her. The angel of the Lord. And there are times in our life, I remember in northern Maine, we were, we were coming down the road, and this is an alley, and this car was coming down the hill. And so I'm coming down the road, and this car's coming down the hill. And I stop, and the car stops, and then I went on, and the car went by and hit the building. There was no one in the car. You know, how do we know what God is doing in our life? We need to pay attention and see that some things are just, wow, that's lucky. No, that's God. You see, you will say, his angels have charge over me. You will say what God says. God loves me. You will say what God says. He will rescue me. You will say what God says. God will protect me. You will call upon God and what will he do? He will answer. You will say God is with me. You will say God will deliver me. I will honor God with my life. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. What is he? Your provider, your Jehovah Jireh, your salvation, your rescue, your peace. And so all those names of God that we had here, and I'll fiddle through here and find him, but that it is the name of God that we already know. Provider, salvation, strength, endurance, healer, sustainer, provider. I will say of the Lord, he is my friend. I dwell in his presence. I make my lodging there. (laughs) So, you don't know what to pray, don't know what to read, read Psalm 1, 91. <laughs> read it and think about it and write out those things, that those thoughts that God presents there for us. And remember, it's the psalmist declaring, and then at the end we have God declaring through the psalmist, I will answer. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. <laughs> we thank you for being our refuge and our fortress. You are my God in whom I will trust. I will speak your name out loud because I know it is true. I will speak and I will believe that you are the one who will deliver and protect me. I will declare that I will rest in your shadow and I will dwell in your shelter. I will be your person and you will be my God. I thank you for this word. Impress it upon our hearts. Burn it upon our minds that we are in this relationship with you that none can ever come between. And we ask you for your blessing. We ask you for your guidance. We ask you for the revelation of this truth into our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.